Welcome to Pauli Malinaji from Brooklyn to the world. Proudly representing his hometown of Brooklyn, New York. Pauli Malinaji takes you inside the ring and beyond. I'm definitely far from shy. We're going to be ranting about a lot of stuff. Not just about boxing, I'm opinionated on life in general, many sports topics and politics. Pauli doesn't hold back. The two time world champion, Pauli the Magic Man. All right, Paulie Malinaji, Peter Cards, Brooklyn to the world, and we're back for another week's episode. Yo, Pete, I know we're getting up with the numbers, but what episode are we up to? Oh, man, he's looking at me like deer in the headlights right now. No, I'm just going to start deferring to you. I'm going to start deferring <laughs> to you for these numbers. You know, they're, they're getting a little too high for Peter Cards. <laughs> He's, I don't know if I gotta I gotta defer it over to Seth our stat checker. He's got his he's got his shoes and socks off. I believe it's 50, fifty seven. Fifty seven. Ah. Boom. Fifty seven. We're uh, we're into our second year now. Very nice. Very nice. Very nice. So I'm also coming to you guys live from Miami. I'm not in uh New York at the moment. I'm in the I'm in the CBS studio in Miami. You know what was good about the CBS studio in Miami? I can drive here and not have to pay for parking. That's one. Nice. Much less hectic. Uh, I would say less traffic, but it wasn't less traffic. There was actually a lot of traffic, but uh, that's because it started pouring on the way here. That's the like it tends to do in Miami with all the humidity. It was totally, absolutely pouring, and uh, everybody decided they weren't going to hit their gas pedal anymore. They were going to just let their let their uh, cars roll. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. You know what I noticed when people do that in the rain? It's like you know, it's just water. It's not like acid. You know what I mean? No, like of course, of course. you're not going to die. You could still press the gas. You just uh. Don't yeah. jam uh, the on the worst them. place was LA though because they never get rain. So like when they saw rain, it was like there was like something they'd never seen before, and they really couldn't. I mean, they already can't drive in the sunny days. So the, you can you just imagine the rainy days out <laughs> there. Right. You know, that was horrible. But over here, I mean, you know, things slowed down, and uh, but uh, we made it. We made it out. We managed to make it here on time. You know what I'm saying? There's like girls in bikinis in the lobby and stuff at the station there. No, I wish. You know what? The the studio was kind of like in a, a a debtor's area, you know. Like I'm I'm coming from South Beach, and but the studio is kind of like in a in a more rural zone. Like it looks like a, a like a real quiet area, and then all of a sudden, boom! There's this big CBS studio that just pops up, you know. Boom! Got its own parking lot and everything, so it's a. Uh, it's cool, you know. I, uh, I, Yo, I we have the opposite of that over here. Yeah, yeah, that's what I know. I know because I I know the studio up in New York, and it's definitely different from the one over here. You know, the parking over here is um, Takes, not uh, it's non-existent, non-existent, and when you put it in a garage, it's fifty bucks. Fifty bucks. And today, today I sat in traffic. They like you know. Then I walk up the block. And you uh-huh. see, like, the whole street is, like, barricaded off. And Why? some some lady was, like, asking the cops, like, is there just someone important coming here? Like, people are so, like, curious. No, nosy, yeah. yeah. Those are the hipsters, kid. Right. Those are the yuppies. Those are the Bernie Sanders supporters. Those are, um, those are the ones that can't mind their business. New York is full right. of the, What happened to the real New Yorkers? I know we always get, what happened to the real no, New wait. Yorkers? The ones that the, were the, non-yuppies that the, didn't give a shit and just minded their business. Wait, the, cop, the cop's like, yeah, the president's here. I'm like... <laughs> Who gives a fuck? Do you know what it takes in preparation for the president to come to the city? They block off entire streets and avenues. What is he there for? Who the fuck know? Who cares? I don't know. He, the I guy's done get, already. I think he's trying to get the last of his trips going, you know? Because you, like, you get, like, the free trips. But you know what's great is they have all this... Because he was here. He was in South Beach when I got here the other, uh, last week. He, he was in South Beach when I got here on Friday. 
Yeah. You know when they have like all this extra security? Like, bro, nobody wants to shoot him. Nobody even cares about <laughs> well, him. Eight years, they would have done it already if they were exactly. Gonna do it. Like, <laughs> you're gonna do it now. The guy could drive around in a convertible. He could walk the streets. I'll give you one better. I was going to a playoff game, Phillies Dodgers. I think it was 2009. I got stopped on the highway for a half hour. Stopped dead because he was on the highway. Yeah, imagine something like that. I, I missed like the first two innings of the game. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That was good times. <laughs> well, I, 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 but I want to know what he's going around for. Yeah, yeah. Raising money for his pal. I don't oh, know. Oh, yeah. He's raising money doing? for his side piece. Oh. Ew. What happened? Hillary. She's nobody's side piece. <laughs> What's going on with that, anyway? She got the election. Are we, are, we doing, are we mingling like the political show with the boxing show today? What are we doing? A little bit. A little bit. Uh, a little you know? bit. We're little not bit. doing two shows this week? We're doing one? <laughs> we're doing two. We're doing one. We're doing one and two. We're, no, we're doing two. When you come in the studio live, we'll do two shows. Oh, when I come in the studio live, we'll do or, two shows. Or when so we get we the good hookup. Bernie Sanders dropping out of the race? I mean, what happened over here? No, he he's fucking stubborn, man. What did he do? He, oh, he didn't drop out. No. He dropped out. Oh. The race is actually over. <laughs> she, she won. He's the only guy still running. Like, <laughs> what is he doing? Running against himself? Yeah, he's like, he's like fucking running. He's you know sweating. What I think he's like, doing? I think he's trying to set himself up for four years from now, just in case he loses to Trump. He, uh, he can run against Trump in four years. Yeah. How about how about I he's, think he's trying to create momentum? How about he's going to keep going and just in case she gets indicted? Right. Boom. That's really what it is. That's really. Uh, you think she can get indicted though? Yes, I, mean, I do. She should get indicted, but whether she will get indicted is another. Uh, case in and of itself. You well, know? We had an expert here uh, just before this show, and um, he's been saying it for like a real months. expert, not like me and Peter Cards. Right, a real expert, <laughs> like the ones that know what they're talking about. No, no, yes. no, 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 no. I am an expert. You just listen to me. <laughs> he said there's a very. He's been saying it for about six to eight months. There's a very good chance. Wow. Really? And he, we went through. We had we had FBI experts I mean, on I the actually, show. I actually like you know because I, I I had heard about Benghazi and I knew about it vaguely. Like I actually read up on it like a couple weeks ago. That was fucking criminal, dude. That was criminal. What she did, like, she she got indicted for murder, first of all, like, or accomplice to murder. That was unbelievable. What her and Obama did, if anybody actually reads up on what happened in Benghazi, dude, they, they, they're accomplices to murder. Like, literally, you are, or you're, you're, you're aiding and abetting murders, like, le- legitimate murders. Like, you are in a position to stop them, and you do not stop them. You let them continue. You have the power to send people over there. You do not do it. And... These people get murdered. I mean, it's, it's, it's so criminal. It's amazing. When I read up on it, it was like, wow, I knew this was bad, but I didn't know it was this bad. This is like, this, this lady's a fucking piece of shit. And, and people want to vote her for president. I mean, I know, I know Trump's not the most perfect guy in the world, but, man, this lady's a legitimate piece of shit. It's unbelievable. Uh, and then on top of being a criminal uh, and doing all that, she goes, instead of showing remorse to the family. Uh, yeah, I know. I read up on it, yeah. yeah. She called them liars and, uh, and uh, blamed them. And, uh, I mean, it was, it's crazy. I mean, because not only that, and then you have a family that's angry and mourning the, the death of their loved ones, and you have this piece of shit, like, Jumping down their throats too. It's a, dude, I, I mean, it blew me away. I blew, she she raised she raised like I think Bernie Sanders means well. He's just an idiot. I, I do think he means well. Hillary Clinton raised the level of piece of shit to a whole level. Like like it's an insult to a piece of shit to call Hillary Clinton a piece of shit. Like it's unbelievable. I, I, if you actually read up on that and like, dude, I, it's crazy. It's just crazy. It's crazy what happened there. Unbelievable. All right. Anyway, <laughs> well, let's get into the boxing. All right, off of this fucking politics <laughs> and off, and it's always the same thing every week. I know. Uh, so you, uh, people are dislike both sides, and they have their reasons to like their both sides. So it is what it is. But uh, why don't we get into boxing? Because this was a, uh, this was a, uh, 
very uh, sad week this week as uh, the passing Absolutely. of the greatest fighter of all time. And, you know, when people talk about the greatest fighter of all time, you know, you're going to be opinionated as to whether he was legitimately the best in the ring of all time. But I, I, I talk about Ali as the greatest fighter of all time because not only for his, what he did in the ring, but also what he did outside the ring. That's right. What he brought to the sport, what he brought to the world. This is the greatest fighter of all time because uh, not only of his incredible fighting ability, but also his human ability. And uh, I know, listen, there were things that, you know, there, people are going to disagree on during his life that, uh, you know, the, he, he, he kind of had a dark side and you know uh, people didn't like that a fact that possibly he could have been a little bit racist but here's the thing here's the thing of where I defend Ali in this situation okay Muhammad Ali stood up for anti-segregation and, and uh, racial discrimination all this stuff he stood up for it and he was in a position to stand up for it you know when at that time people who were famous famous African Americans were not really wanting to risk their position as celebrities or, or as high-profile high people by talking about this stuff that might be taboo. Ali kind of helped in that revolution. And at the time, I actually agree, there, ne there needed to be some sort of revolution. Unlike today, where I think people throw way out of proportion, and I think there's people like Black Lives Matter who actually in, instill and, 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 and instigate hatred, hatred and racial, racial hatred and racial, racial segregation, I think in the time of Ali, that kind of thing was actually necessary. And the reason Ali happened, and the reason it was, um, the reason uh, it needed to happen was because it was legitimately a bad time and, uh, for, the, for, those, for that kind of thing. But also, the strides that he made, the sacrifices he made, and I've talked about this on another show, really, you know, so that people, so that African Americans today and minorities today in general can have the, 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 the privileges they have and, and the opportunity, the same opportunities they have. And then you still have these people still fighting for the shit and, and causing division, and, and you, you're actually going to create division among races again. You know, you're actually spitting on everything Ali stood for. You know what I'm saying? Because Ali went and sacrificed his, his own career, three years of his career, to now go to Vietnam and to stand up for basically all this stuff. And, and you know what? There's going to be the hardcore, hardcore uh, uh, patriot, patriotism uh, people that are going to say, oh, he didn't, cause he didn't defend his country in the war, and he should have yeah, defended Lloyd. his country. In the war. But I got news for you, bro. And this is where I, I agree with Ali. And this is where I agree with him in this situation. Maybe nowadays this kind of thing isn't necessary, but in those days it was necessary. Bro, if I walk into, if I win an Olympic gold medal for your country. Ah, there you go. I was waiting then, for you to get on to that. I can't use the same water fountain as certain people. I get denied access to certain kind of restaurants. I get denied access to certain kind of restrooms. You know what? Go fuck yourself, dude. I'm not going to risk my life getting killed for you, for your country that doesn't even give me the respect as a human being, let alone as a, as a legitimate world-level world athlete that just brought home a gold medal representing your national anthem. Hero. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. So, so for that reason, um, I'm all for Ali. I, I think he represented something. I, I think he broke barriers. <laughs> And I think later on in his life, you know what the shame is? People don't get to listen to him the same way later right. on in his life because the Parkinson's got him so much, got him so badly. So he wasn't able to be as vociferous, as fluent, uh, as fluid as he would have been uh, earlier in his life. Because I think Ali did ma did change as 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 he got older. You know, I think there was a softer side to Ali because you know he did see how much people started to love him and how much people respected the fact that he took that stand. And you know what, the world did change for a little bit for the better, and it continues to change a little bit for the better. Which again, which is why I actually don't like the whole Black hey, Lives Matter movement and all this shit because you're actually sending the world back into back into a, a the racial tension that 
we were kind of surpassing. You know what I'm saying? So you're actually going backwards when you should be continue to be to be going forwards and uni- and united unite each other as a people in this country. You know, but um. Hey, why don't you just um? You just keep going. Seth and I are gonna go. We'll leave. <laughs> what the, the fuck? Me in the studio. Leave yeah, alone. Leave alone. In the studio. I can't see you guys. Uh, no, Paul. Guys I, but go ahead, guys. What do you What do you guys want to say about? Have you met Have you met Muhammad Ali, Paulie? I met Ali one time in 2002, circa 2003, in Gleason's Gym. Pete, were you there with me that time? No. No. Yeah, it was about. Junior cool. was there. Junior was a little little yeah. kid. Yeah, Ali came into the gym. He had like a, a little bit of a photo shoot or whatnot, and uh, I met him that day. And you know, I, I didn't say much to him. You know, he was you know he was already kind of you know it, it, he's, it's hard for him to speak by that point in his life already. You know, I just wanted to shake his hand and just um, you know just be in contact with the with the guy who's basically the who represents our sport in, in and of itself. You know what I'm saying? And I, I watched some things. You know, being that. That he just passed, like the, mm-hmm. it's. I mean, you know me. You and I feel the same. We've always loved Muhammad Ali. Mm-hmm. Um, as a kid, I always loved him. Just the character that he was, and and how brash and fun, and you know, he, he took it to another level. And and you know, they showed some things about him, like he was speaking to a reporter, and and he says, you know, at the time I won my gold medal, I came back and. I put my gold medal on, and I came home, and I said, I'm going to go downtown and eat. Yep. And downtown was where it was segregated. Yep. And um, he's, this is where it's like, it's so harsh, the way the world was then. Mm-hmm. And the, the way, way America was then. The way, yeah, the way America was then, and, and American society then. And the way he, the way he like, put a... Like there was times where he put a funny spin on things, you know. Like, mm-hmm. even in horrible times, like so he he said he got all dressed up because when you go downtown, it's really good food and good places, and people dress up and they make like a day out of it. Mm-hmm. So he goes downtown and he sits down and he's got his gold medal on, mm-hmm. and the manager of the place. Mind you, this is an eighteen-year-old kid. Here. Yeah, 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 yeah. He was probably eighteen, nineteen, right? Yeah, Young guy. Won the gold medal. Yep. Yeah. So so the manager comes over and says, uh, you know. We don't we don't serve Negroes here. He goes, good because I don't eat them. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why Ali's the best. Guy. That's why you, you know like all, all, you can't teach that kind of that kind of sarcasm, that kind of personality. That's you can't the, teach that kind of wit. People, yeah, kind of you wit, know yeah. what's funny is people, even Ali, would joke around with Cosell. Oh, you're being whatever now, Ali, and he you're would being say, "Truculent, yeah, right, you're truculent, yeah." Well, whatever truculent is, then that's what I am, you know. No, no, he said, "Whatever truculent means, if that's good, I'm that." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so he had a way where he made you think he was stupid, but he was so intelligent, so witty, and and deep. You know, like you start to see now in social media and Instagram and Twitter people putting up his quotes and and all the things that he said great things that he said over the years and it's like wow this guy was and that's he weird. was the man he was um he not only he was a man he grew up and he kept getting like he kept changing with the times and you wisdom know, he, 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 yep. he had that wisdom you know like he learned from mistakes and and whatnot and, and that's why i feel like even though he lived to be 74 we were robbed of so much possible wisdom of this guy you know what i'm saying granted he's not Gandhi or, or Jesus Christ or anything, but still, this guy knew life because this guy saw life from a perspective that none of us could see. You know what I'm saying? He just—he was a worldwide global icon. I, I did an interview uh, after his death, and I said probably three of the biggest athletes worldwide in in the in the in the uh, 
20th century uh, that took really grasped the world. They're Ali, Pele, and probably Michael Jordan. You know, and, and everybody else is, you know, there's probably some others that are slightly below those three. But those are probably the top three that really the world knows and, and, and without a doubt, you know, they have worldwide recognition and, and have that phenomenon. But, you know, there's a big difference. Ali's probably the most approachable out of those, although Pele is pretty approachable as well. Ali's smarter by a mile. I mean, mm-hmm. Pele, I, I love him as a soccer player, but he says some shit that I'm like, what is this guy, slow? Is this, yep. this guy hit his head? Like, yep. I mean, I know, because like, this guy says the dumbest of, of, of shit, as great of a soccer player as he was, a footballer, as a, our um, UK fans call it. And then Michael Jordan, for all intents and purposes, a total dickhead. I mean, a total fucking dickhead. I mean, wow. this guy this guy wanted his own table at his own uh, uh, Hall of Fame induction uh, 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 ceremony instead of sitting with the other guys that were inducted. I mean, a total dickhead from everybody that I've heard, including... That's, uh, that's uh, what you're uh, worried about, the, the Hall of Fame induction? What about the fact that his father got killed over 450 grand that he owed to bookies yeah. because he wouldn't pay it when he's worth about $9 zillion. Yeah. Well, uh, and, and, wow. and I have several other stories. But regardless, I like, this, I like this, this is not the Michael Jordan bashing show. This is about <laughs> right. the, uh, Crazy Ali show. What I'm saying is those three guys probably had the highest popularity figure worldwide. And Ali stands head and, head and, toe, head and shoulders even above those guys, I feel. Way because, above. Because I wouldn't say way above because soccer is such a big sport. Uh, football is such a I big sport. I think he means about life in general. Right? About, about everything, yeah. such an incredible individual, a human being, you know, that he surpasses everyone. He knows what intelligent quote to give you. If you look at even his older quotes when he's a little bit older, and there's a couple of, a couple of quotes here and there and some interviews that people have done. I, none, none are reaching the top of my head now, but he, was st- he still had that wit. He just couldn't get it out anymore. You know what I mean? So he couldn't. One of them out. I loved was... Um, don't count the days. Make the days count. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, it's like, really, I mean, and then just we his. Were robbed, you know, we were robbed. We can, were right. robbed of this guy, like, because boxing damaged him so much and Parkinson's, whatever, damaged him so much. I do feel Parkinson's is a, is a genetic uh, disease from what I hear. I just feel like boxing could have probably sped up the process. That, uh, and intensified it. Right. Intensified it. Yeah, you know, I just feel like we were robbed because this guy still had his, his, uh, he was still cognizant. He still had his mental faculties there. You know, he we did. couldn't hear him speak that way, and we we were robbed of so so much of the stuff that he could have been saying, entertaining us, teaching us, just just talking to us about life. You know, this guy's experienced so much. It's, it really is a, a you know. I was really sad, man. I was really sad. Like I didn't I didn't know I would be that sad when Muhammad Ali passed. Like yeah, me either. I was really sad. Well, you know like, what? When we heard it last week, when when they said he was sick, Seth told us he was in the hospital, and I started to think about it then. And I'm like. Man, you know, how old is he? And people say, oh, he's 74. He's not that old. You know, no. but when you think about when you think about all he's done and what his life has been through, and people, you know, it's sad is that people don't realize, um, you know, that just boxing is what it does to your body and your brain. People think, oh, sparring, you have headgear and bigger gloves. Oh, it's not please. that bad. You're getting your head rattled three times a week, and this is a guy who fought... 15 rounds against the best of the best. Frazier three times. Yeah, and he trained, trained I think the hard. the only guy, the only guy of any era that legitimately fought everyone, I think. Absolutely. Like, there's nobody he didn't fight. And, you know, I, I saw... Certain eras, oh, these guys didn't fight. Certain of another era, all oh, these guys didn't fight. The Ali era... Everybody fought guy, everybody. He fought him. I mean, yeah, it's crazy. Hey, Paulie, I was thinking, you know, what Peach just said, the quote, don't count the days, make the days count. We should, in tribute to Ali, we should do that with our episodes. 
Don't count the episodes. Right. Make the episodes count. Exactly. <laughs> That's <laughs> right. <laughs> You're a bad man. <laughs> All right. You might be the greatest. I still want to make them count and count the episodes. Right. Um, I, don't, I don't think Ali was talking about the, the I was, <laughs> World podcast. I was, watching, I was watching 60 Minutes. <laughs> Boom. CBS. Yes, CBS. Um, and they talked about Ali. You know, he it, obviously... You know, he had as many wives, and he was he was a very good-looking and, and charismatic and charming person. And when he got older, his last wife, who he was married to up until he passed, they showed a lot of things of, this is what a great guy he was. He already had a ton of money. He was as famous as you could be, worldwide, global superstar. He never said no to an autograph. And they showed at least a minimum of 200 to 250 pieces of fan mail that got sent to him every day and we're talking about now recently so for for 30 years people have been sending this guy fan mail and you know they, they can't get to it all obviously they're human but when he would show up to places he would show up as a charity and he would have lines out the door, and he would sign every last one of them. And you see, oh, this is one thing that I wanted to get to uh, to explain uh, the kind of man that he is and that he was. When there was a gentleman uh, recording, uh, doing an interview with him, and they had the camera there, and he wouldn't speak. So the guy, you know, Ali got up and walked away. He walked off the interview. So you hear the guy go, Muhammad, Muhammad, come on, where are you going? And he walked away. The guy went off camera. You could see them, but they're off camera, and was like, you know, what what happened? And his wife basically gave us the short end, the short story of that. He doesn't want. He never wanted anyone to feel pity for him, hmm. and he said he was total. He, he was. She said he was totally aware of how he sounded and how he came off. Uh, so he didn't want the people to look at him when he was trying to talk and say, oh, look at poor Ali, because that he didn't feel that way. Yeah. He goes, yeah, boxing may have done this to me. Plus, he's a, he's a man's man. He's, he's a man's, man's man. man. It's just... You don't want... A man's man doesn't want people feeling sorry for him. You and you know what else, too? You know what else, too? When people talk about the whole dodging the draft and this and that, like... Like even my girl, Alyssa... Yeah, on, no. Right. You see, my because girl... At that time... Listen, that listen. Time, hold on. Ahead, hold on. Let me finally talk for once. Go ahead, go ahead. Um, so, no, even my girl who, you know, you don't know. You know Muhammad Ali. You say Muhammad Ali. Everybody knows him, but she didn't know what he stood for and all that. So she says, well, did he dodge the draft so he didn't have to go to war? Like, did he make that up? And I said, absolutely not. I said, listen, the guy just passed away at 74 years old. He prayed five times a day up until the day he died. Now, he could have changed and went back to... Christianity, Catholicism, 20 years later, and people would have forgot about it. You know what I mean? He stood the way he was to the day he died. And I got something that a, a lot of people probably don't know. The Elijah Muhammad and, and the guy that used to be in his pockets all the time. Farrakhan. Not Farrakhan. There was another. Remember in, in the movie they called him Herbert or something? Oh, uh, Herbert Muhammad, yeah. Yes. Okay. Those guys were like his managers, right? They used the nation of islam as a business Mm -hmm. and ali didn't like that Mm -hmm. he was a true muslim in the sense where religion is religion and business is business you know don't try to make money off of 
me being Muslim, like, because that's not what I'm about. I'm about what the religion is, and and I believe what this religion is. I stand up for it. I'm a practicing Muslim. They even what they do with when when he was suspended, uh, they didn't even like have his back. Like nobody, you know, like they like turned their back on him too. Like because he wasn't an asset, right? You know, like it was amazing, and he still stood true to himself. He got himself back able to fight again, and he took over boxing again. I mean, he's just to me, he's one of the most powerful figures in sports, in, in life, in the world. I, I honestly, I tweeted it the other day. I, I think they should make his birthday or something uh, a national holiday. Yeah, and, 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 that, and that was the thing about uh, uh, the whole draft dodge. I think people, it's it taken very much out of context because, again, as I explained at the top of the show, what reason do you give me to be proud of this country if you're if i'm muhammad ali in the 60s you know what i'm saying what reason do you give me to be proud so proud of this country that i should go and risk my life over in vietnam for what for what right you know what i'm saying for and what? think about this his idol this country did nothing for him at his, that time he, as a matter of fact he did more for this country than they did for him at that time 100 percent, 100 percent. and think about this before him was joe lewis who gave up his prime to fight for this country and ended yeah. up dying all in taxes. Yeah, so yeah, exactly. what kind of yep. example is what that? Kind of, and that's a thank you, Joe Lewis guy. Yep. Right. So nope. now <laughs> Muhammad's like, fuck this. You can't evade taxes. Right. Yeah. Muhammad's like, fuck this. So you think you're going to do the same thing you did to Joe Lewis? Nah. I'm cool, bro. And he truly, genuinely didn't believe. He said, why am I going to go and kill other innocent brown people when... I'm here, and I can't get freedom here. If I want to go to war, I'll go to war right here. He said it. He said it to one guy that was like yelling at him, "You should fight for your country." This and that. He said, "If I want to go to war, if I want to die, I'll die right here fighting you. You're my enemy. You know what I mean?" It was. It, he was a deep, deep dude, and and really like prideful guy, and like you said, a man's man. Yeah, I mean, listen, if if, if you're dra- dodging the draft and. 2000 as opposed to 1960 whatever you know okay it's it's, it's considered draft dodging and you consider what he did draft dodging then you're taking it totally out of context and for right. me in my opinion is totally wrong you know you talked about uh you talked about uh, a holiday in ali's favor in ali's name uh, a national holiday i can agree and disagree and i here's the thing uh i can agree with that because he's a total uh, a guy i totally uh have the most utmost amount of respect for and for, if it's up to me yeah I want. I want. I always want him to be remembered, and I want his birthday to be remembered, and I want. It, I would love for his name to be a national holiday. But I also look at Martin Luther King Day, and I look at what Martin Luther King stood for, and I look at what Martin Luther King stood for as far as uh, peace uh, between all races, and uh, and he and he didn't take the the rebel approach. He took it in a we all need to get along kind of approach, and um, you know the I have a dream speech, an incredible man, another incredible man. And yet, the holiday is totally misunderstood because it's not Black Power holiday. You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like again with the Black Lives Matter movement and, mm-hmm. and the Sal Sharptons of the world and the Jesse Jacksons of the world, you're looking for Black domination more than you're looking for equality and non-segregation. You know what I'm right. saying? You want all the power positions. You want Black people to have all the power positions. You want you you just want to take what you want. You want to be able, if, if a black person uh, blames a white person for something even they didn't do, like, for example, the Duke University case, right away, Jesse Jackson and Al Sharpton were there, you know? You're, you're taking days like Martin Luther King's birthday 
and then you're celebrating black history. You're celebrating the, the history of a man who was a sensational man, an incredible man. But you, do you actually understand what the man stood for? Or right. is it just a matter of, oh, we're black, we, we deserve everything. And, and that's the thing. These people preached racial equality, right. non-segregation, the best life for all, the best opportunity for all. You know, we get a lot of shit here on Brooklyn to the World because, you know, we're capitalists and we're, we're for Trump and whatnot. Oh, and, oh, well, these guys, they're not, they're not for racial equality. Yes, they are, because I'll tell you one thing about capitalism. The only color capitalism understands is green. That's right. Okay? Capitalism doesn't understand white, black, brown, yellow, whatever. Capitalism only understands green. No matter what color you are, capitalism is about getting ahead and making money for your business, for the population, and everything else in general. Getting ahead. Okay? So if, cap- if in capitalism there is a racist situation going on, it'll work against the system because you're actually not going to be able to put yourself ahead if, you, if you're... If you're maybe not hiring the guy best suited for the job if the guy best suited for the job might be black. Capitalism is about hiring the best person for the job, getting the most qualified people, getting the hardest workers, no matter what they are. And you know what? I gotta be honest, sometimes it's with immigrants too. You know, there's, there's things about Trump I agree to not, then don't disagree. You know, you know, these immigrants bust their ass, man. You know, yeah, a lot sure. of times, you know, on the, the premise of American jobs, it's kind of a, it's kind of a weird thing because Americans don't want to fucking work, man. I mean, yeah. you ever call Verizon for service? You ever call the, your gas company for, for service? You get transferred 40 times because nobody actually wants to do the work, and you can never get your problem solved. You hire uh, an illegal guy from Mexico to, to do construction in your house, but a guy will do a, the best job in the world, and he'll do it for half price. I mean, he's, proud, he's proud of what he's doing. He's pr- he, there's pride in their, in their work ethic still. You know what I'm saying? So, Absolutely. So capitalism can work both ways. Uh, I mean, capitalism can work in the way of, of uh, it's, not, it, it, it's not about segregation. It's not about any of it, any of that. And uh, all, anybody can, under the real capitalist rule, so to speak, I mean, anybody can get ahead. Any, because it's, it's about making money. It's about green. So green is the only matter that counts in capitalism. You know what I'm saying? That's right. It's well said. That's exactly right. Yeah. Couldn't That's be right. more accurate. It's, it's, it's all about money. It's about making money. Yeah. So having said that, um, going back to the MLK Day and going back to the Ali birthday, you know, I would love Ali's birthday to be recognized, as I love Martin Luther King's birthday to be recognized. But we really have to understand, you know, what the true meaning of what these guys stood for. And then you're going to say, oh, well, Ali stood for hatred in his day. No, he did not, man. He was standing up for something, and the man changed. You just don't have enough quotes of him later on in his life. The man also changed about that. You know what I'm saying? There was hatred in his heart because he had to have that hatred. He was being totally segregated against. Unlike nowadays, I, gotta, I hate to say it, but nowadays the world is not like it was in the 60s in America. You know, people still try to pretend it is, but it's not. It's a lot better. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, everyone wants well, the, to be... The whole every- revolution now only, go, only sets, sets us backwards, not forwards. You know, because now there's nothing to complain about, really, and you're still trying to set us backwards. You know what I mean? But in the 60s, the men stood for something that needed to be stood up for. You know, so, and even if it involved a little bit of hatred, dude, I bet you anybody in his shoes would have hatred in their heart at that time. But the man also knew the, the level of human being he was, the level of stardom he was getting. And, and because of the level of human being that he is, he knew he had softened up a little bit. And he saw how the world was changing around him. And, you know, he saw that he had made that difference. And he could make a difference for the positive instead of being such a rebel all the time. And he was. He was. But you just don't have as many uh, out, out, outrageous quotes from him anymore. 
going in a positive direction because by then he was destroyed. You know, the, the disease had got him. You know, so we were robbed of so many nice things this man would have said and, and would have preached to us and would have talked to us. You know what I'm saying? It's, you know, the guy meant well at the end of the day. He was, he was a, not only an intelligent guy, he was a witty guy to the end because his, his mental, mentally he was still, still super sharp. We wouldn't get to we didn't get to hear all of it, you know. What I mean, we didn't get to hear all of it, but it doesn't mean you have to now count it against him. I think if you have something against Ali, it's because you want to have something against Ali. You're a hater. And, and, yeah, because in reality, the guy uh, w- 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 understood the human race more than anything else. More than any other race, understood the human race more than anybody. He'd been all over the world. He reached stardom that none of us can understand, and still stayed down to earth. You understand? There's stars in this world. Muhammad Ali's the most famous person on the planet. And was as approachable as they come. Yep. You understand? People reach a little bit. People, you sometimes you'll find the most popular guy on the block is arrogant already. Right. Not alone <laughs> on the neighborhood, the, the city, the state, the country, the planet. The, the most arrogant. Sometimes the most arrogant guy on the block, you can't even get near him. Boy, I got, I got, for school. We got reality stars coming to the studio and they have like entourages. Like, yeah, right. You know what I'm saying? Like, you kidding me? Else? You know, you, you look at the example you take. You <laughs> example you have here, and you choose. You choose the other way. Like, that's the problem. Society's getting dumber, man. Society's getting dumber by the by the, by by the day. You know what I'm saying? Well, I think that's something you have that an amazing example of this guy who just passed away. But are you really appreciating him? Are you really taking in what he really stood for? Because he stood for so much that I don't think people are really understand and, gr- and grasp what he stood for. He stood for so much that you know people just take it for granted. They're like, oh man, we're the greatest guy. Don't we really understand what he stood for? Because it could really make a difference in your own life if you understood what this guy stood for. Absolutely, and even that's something that. Why um, someone like Mike Tyson? He's a, he's a diehard. He's also underratedly intelligent. If you yes. want to him talk, yes, and he understands the difference between being a great athlete in the ring and just being great. When you say the word "great," um, when Floyd said, "I'm the greatest fighter of all time," Muhammad Ali um, Tyson took offense to that because what he meant, what his point of view is, is, dude, you can't even walk your kids to school. You got 19 bodyguards that are all seven feet tall, juiced out. Every way you go, nobody could touch you. This guy would walk anywhere. Muhammad Ali walked anywhere he wanted. If you followed with him, you followed with him. You became you became his entourage. You didn't even know your fucking yeah, name. Remember, you know, you it's just granted nowadays the world is more dangerous. So of you course, be careful. But then this times, like you remember the sixties. This times where he's just people are just following him and he's just talking and he's just ranting about Joe Frazier and all these other guys in, back in the in his early days. And, you know, what about the way he fight. interacted with children of yep. all races? Yeah, white, black. He went to their schools. He did all this stuff that he's you know, just a great, great man. Yeah, like nowadays, a celebrity, you can't even go near them. Oh, can I get a picture? Oh yeah, no, I'm none, busy. And none of them have the fame <clears throat> Ali had. None of them, not Ali even close. Was the most famous, was the most famous <clears throat> human being on the planet for at least twenty and, years straight. Yeah. You know, like I said, it's up there: Ali, Pele, and 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 Jordan. But uh, for me, Ali had a had more layers to him, like an onion, had more layers yep. to him than, than, than these other guys. You know what I'm saying? Not only did he have the fame, but he had, there was a layers to him, the intelligence, the wittiness, as you said, Pete, the, mm-hmm. and, and just the, the overall goodness and, 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 to, and, 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 and the desire to spread that around more so than anything else. You know, I was 17. I got, I got to meet Pele and Muhammad Ali at the same time. Oh, my God. Because my, my dad was a degenerate gambler, so we were at the Tyson-Biggs fight and like, some wow. special dinner, Oprah Winfrey and Rob Duvall. And, <laughs> what do you uh, mean? He, he was such a degenerate that he got, invited, he got all the He gets yes. those you know? comps, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so he Tyson took me and my... Versus, uh, versus who? Uh, uh, 
uh, uh, Tyson versus Biggs. Yeah, oh, and, and, Terrell Biggs. Wow. And, yeah, and, and, Olympic. Uh, I think gold medalist, right? Terrell yeah. Biggs with the Olympic gold medalist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can see my brother in a video. Uh, really? Behind Trump. Yeah, we had good seats and everything. Behind Trump. <laughs> oh, that's when you said you met Trump. Oh, you followed him. My father's got a picture with Trump. Yeah. So my father, he, you know, he's like uh, after he wanted to gamble afterwards, so he gave each of us a hundred bucks to go buy Tyson jackets. Instead, we went to Red and Black on the on the roulette table. Boom. Did did well. But uh, did, well, did you win? Uh, yeah, I won four hundred. My brother won six hundred. But I'll tell you something about. Did we get the Tyson jacket? No, we didn't get the Tyson jacket. We don't want the jacket. I'll tell you something. Yeah, more reason to get it because you won. <laughs> I'll tell you, my dad took the hundred bucks back too. He should have told me he lost. Um, I'll tell you something about Ali though. He was walking through the uh, casino and Don King was ahead of him, going Muhammad Ali, and behind him, Muhammad Ali's playing, he's going Don King. <laughs> and, uh, he, he was just yeah. You could just he just was even and even he was already sick then. It was eighty seven. Oh, you but, no, but you were old. You probably you you remember him when he was talking normal. Of course. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm not that well, he old. Could, but. He couldn't yell at that time anymore. No, no, no but he was like he was shouting as much yeah, as he, he could. Did it, he did it like a Marlon Brando. You yeah. just did like you mixed Ali with Marlon Brando. No, he did. He did Don King. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, but he wow, was that that disease spread fast. He took so pictures. He, took, he had his last fight in '81. Right. He took yeah. pictures. With, he was already slowing down like that. Yeah, he took pictures with everybody. He was yeah. just just so cool. Yep. That's, uh, that's Lawrence Taylor was there too. I was surrounded by all this greatness. Lawrence man. Taylor's the man too. Best football players of time. Dude, yeah. what a night you had. I yeah, think say, about that star-studded event, right? Yeah. Unbelievable. Just because my dad's a degenerate gambler. See, if you become a CP, yeah, nowadays, you. nowadays you go to a place like that and you see fucking Snooki. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. And she has security. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> I know. <laughs> what is this world coming to, right, man? Yeah, what a difference. At that time, you could be a degenerate gambler and it would pay off for you. Now they right. want to send you, now they want to send you out Gamblers Anonymous. Right. Shit is that? Right. Now, you know, back then your wife would yell at you, how much did you lose? 500? Are you crazy? Yeah, but Muhammad Ali was there. Lawrence Taylor was there. Ah, that's a pretty good night. Yeah, it was a good night. Open Nowadays you lose and what'd you get? A bunch of, you, you get to see saggy titties serving you your drinks in the fucking <laughs> casino? Christopher Walken was there too. Yeah. Get out of here. Christopher Walken. Dennis Hopper. Yeah. Oh, that was a lot. That was some, that was some event. Hey, pictures. I'll listen, show you. That was, that was Mike Tyson, man. He yeah. brought out all the celebrities. Oh, yeah. That's wow. true. And that's when Lansing was the only place to go back then. Unbelievable. That was a, that was a nice event. I don't, get, I don't even get invited to events like that, dude. That's crazy. Yeah, seriously. Drop a couple hundred Gs. Well, we got, we got invited to Derek Jeter. And, oh, yeah, yeah. You met Derek Jeter? Players Tribune. Yeah, yeah. No, no I mean, I get invited to stuff, but it's, you know. That, that's, I, I think what it is is when you're young. And you get invited to stuff like that. You know, when you're an adult, you you appreciate it in a different way. When you're when you're young, you appreciate it in a, in a much cooler way. You know, where it's just like you know, you're more starstruck, and it's it, it's more amazing to you. You know, so it, it's things that you're you have memories for life. You know what I'm saying? Hey, Absolutely. Hey guys, let's take a let's take a break, and when we come back, we'll uh, we'll throw it to a uh, Keith Thurman, uh, Paulie Malinaji interview. Is that cool? Sounds good. Sounds good All to right. me, guys. We'll be right back. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. All right, we have Keith one-time Thurman on the show today, getting ready for his June 25th uh, battle with uh, Sean Porter, defending the WBA welterweight, champ, uh, the other WBA welterweight title, and he's the champ going into the fight. How are you feeling today, Keith? I'm feeling good, guys. How are you guys? Uh, we're good. We're good. Everything's good over here. Now, how's, uh, how's training camp been for this fight so far? Uh, it's been good, man. Um, we're real happy about the recovery. Um, we're happy with the sparring that we've been getting. We're really excited on this up and coming fight. You know, it's going to be a going to be a great fight. You know, we, me and Sean know each other very well. Um, I expect the best from him, and he expects the best from me. 
um, it's going to be a good showdown. Now, now, a couple of times this fight was uh, postponed. Obviously, uh, the first rumors I heard about this fight was back in December. Then, uh, obviously, uh, the fight was signed for March, and then uh, you had your uh, car accident. How, how, how long have you known, really, about the, the, the Sean Porter fight? Uh, have you guys kind of known you, got, you, you were going to fight each other in your next fight, but it kind of just had to materialize? How, how long has it really been on your mind? Well, uh, technically, since December, when there were rumors about it occurring around that you know, around that time, but I knew because, you know, I didn't get no official phone call from the manager team that, um, the fight was possible, but, um, it wasn't going to happen that year that, you know, those are just articles that were being written up. And, um, once when I knew that it wasn't going to happen last year, I was like, cool. So I get to go on, I get to spend the holidays and enjoy my holidays with my family and be on vacation. And they, they said, yeah. So once when the year clicked over it was just a matter of hearing the new date you know and um i was a little dissatisfied with it being pushed back so far but it didn't bother me a whole lot and um then it got pushed back further due to the accident and um now it's right around the corner man right so time flies and the show is about to go down i'm real happy that um i was able to recover from the accident that i still have a career um you know and that we're able to put on this great uh, performance, you know, I'm, I'm not recovering saying I can't fight Sean Porter, you know, I need to recover and take a different kind of fight. No, you know, this is the fight that I've wanted for a long time. This is the fight that the fans have wanted for a long time, and I'm happy to give it to them. Absolutely, champ. Uh, you know, one of the things uh, I always talked about uh, when I back to, when I was fighting more often was I always prefer to fight right before Christmas or right before the summer because I want to enjoy my holidays and I want to enjoy my summer. I don't want to be training during those portions of time so you're kind of getting it right at the beginning of the summer and you'll be able to enjoy your summer uh we, you know we we keep hearing a lot about the accident um you know keith a uh, lot of rumors circulated we know uh, kenny porter was kind of uh throwing in some digs at you after the uh after the 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 fight had to be postponed in march about uh you know we want to see some uh mris we want to see some whatever can you talk to us about the the incident just in general and how did you feel about the, the little trash talking i mean is it was it more to be expected from kenny porter or was it just uh par for the course you know it's just to make them seem strong and make us seem weak you know um i'm a world-class fighter i'm the champ i asked to fight sean porter way before sean porter ever asked to fight me so you know we we don't really listen to all that drama man um you know, Kenny Porter said we don't need to fight Keith Thurman right now in an article, you know, over a year ago when yeah. Sean was IBF champion. Yep. You know, so so I really, you know, uh, he's only telling this information and trying to create information to people who don't know the history of how long the possibility of, you know, being Sean being competitors, you know, We've both been at the top for a long time. We could have fought each other early on in our careers, but Kenny chose not to do that, and he said that it's unwise. We can wait longer. We can build up the fight, and possibly uh, Keith can acquire a world title, and then we can do a unification bout. The problem is they don't hold their title no more. Absolutely. You know, so from my perspective, you know, uh, Kenny Porter has only been interested in fighting me as long as they have something to gain. Yeah. You know, that's what it's, um, that's when, what he it's... Was sim- when he was simply a champion with something to lose. They didn't want to make the fight happen. Now, I'm champion. They have something to gain. 
And, you know, with a victory, I'm just solidifying myself as champion. I'm not really gaining anything new. But, you know, that doesn't discourage me from the fight. But it does, you know, to me, that is one thing that discouraged them earlier on when we tried to make this fight happen over a year ago. Does that trash talk uh, affect you in any way? I mean, not obviously you're a world-class fighter. And, and with guys with, uh, that have a lot of experience, I always try to tell people that the trash talk doesn't really affect you in a negative way. But, you know, it may make you focus a little harder or whatnot. You know, you and Sean go back a long way. Uh, and now, you know, with the little... A little bit of talking here, a little bit of talking there, a little bit of friction creates in, it, in and of itself. I, you know, the thing I always try to tell people is when two friends fight each other, you're going to start to dislike each other because every single day you're thinking about that person as you're training. And so even if you like that person, you're going to end up having that dislike because it's a competitive fire burning inside you. Now, how close were you and Sean before this? And would you say, you know, that 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 fire is burning out to the point where there's the dislike there or is anything personal? Is it, Would you say it's just business? It's definitely just business, man. Thank you, sir. It's definitely business. There's no reason whatsoever to uh, have hatred towards uh, Sean Porter. Sean Porter is a very nice kid. He's a tremendous athlete, you know. So at the end of the the day, the way I look at it is um, for one night, he's my enemy. You know, and an enemy is an enemy, and we're going to treat him just like any other enemy. But I've, I've, I've sparred, or not sparred, I've, I've fought people in the amateurs that were my sparring partners. I fought people that I grew up um, training under, and then once when I got into the open division, we had to fight each other. So I'm actually kind of um, a little accustomed to this scenario. Um, and, it, you know, it adds a little something to the sport. It adds a little something to the match, um, you know, but I'm going to do my best to not be friendly on the 25th, that's for sure. Oh, of course, you know, you know, the one thing about the fans that are make, make this fight really exciting for the fans is that, you know, it's, it's probably bar none two top three or four welterweights in the world you know and you, you know you got either of you guys could, could possibly be the number one welterweight in the world at the moment depending on the opinions of few but without a doubt anybody would agree that you guys are in the top two one two three or four uh and and wouldn't put you guys outside that class so to see two guys battling each other at, at that level you know is a fight that obviously fans start to salivate for you know um i was gonna ask you keith have you guys sparred in the past? Uh, I mean, I've heard rumors about the sparring and stuff, and I don't want to. I, I never get into who got the better of who because for me, that's all b- a bunch of BS. But how familiar are you with the style? Because here's the thing: I always told people about when I fought Sean Porter, he's a pressure fighter, but he doesn't punch his way in. He attacks you like a linebacker would attack a running back, or like a linebacker would attack the quarterback. And then once he's close, he's throwing punches. He really doesn't do a good job of punching his way in, but he rushes you and closes himself in tight. And then is it an awkward style to deal with? I mean, obviously you've sparred with him and obviously you're going to have to acclimate yourself on the 25th. Or is there anything in particular you guys have worked on towards that that you can, that you can get into without getting too much of the game plan? Hello. You know, yeah, for the most part, Sean's style, like you said, he's not that effective on the outside. He's, does whatever he needs to do to get onto the inside. And then when he's on the inside, he does most of his work there. Another thing about his strategy is um, I don't see a lot of his punching to be very effective, but his athleticism and the way that he um, puts pressure on people, you know, and he throws a lot of punches, 
his goal is to outwork you and thus outworking you, somewhat smothering you, and thus you pretty much don't get that much credit. Um, yeah, making you uncomfortable. You've, now, you've been now outworked. Mm-hmm. You know, in the Adrian Broner fight, I was sitting ringside right behind Floyd Mayweather, actually. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, Adrian Broner was landing punches, mm-hmm. but he was just being outworked so much. It's not that Adrian Broner couldn't be a part of the fight, mm-hmm. but when AB a. was on defense, Sean's offense was just so much. And, yeah. then, you know, A.B. went on defense without enough offense to be competitive in the fight. Yeah, you know, they, they were semi-competitive, but it's, it definitely wasn't enough. Um, I believe that I'm not going to have any problems throwing more punches than Adrian Broner. I've always said that one of Adrian Broner's um, um, problems default is that he doesn't throw a lot of punches. Mm-hmm. So somebody who has a fight strategy where they bum rush, their style is to be on top of you, throwing a lot of punches, you know, um, A.B. would have to be using perfect defense and perfect counterpunching to walk away victorious from a fight like that. So, you know, we're going to try to use our defense. We're going to try to use our counterpunching, but we're also going to try to be more effective as he's trying to come in and stop him in his tracks. Yeah, yeah, you, you know what it is with Porter. A lot of he's, it's also about he tries to overwhelm you, and that's uh, you you kind of hit that right, nail right on the head. Uh, he puts you on the defensive, and guys, uh, you know, end up not being able to be effective at all. You know, one more question I want to ask you, Keith. He has a one loss to Kelbrook, who's kind of the guy on the outside looking in, who seems to kind of be the boogeyman in the weight class and and uh, isn't getting a lot of the fights. Is there any pressure on you, or, or I wouldn't even say pressure, but it is would it be a good, a good feather in your hat if you could stop Porter? Uh, as opposed to, you know, beating him the way Kel did, which was, you know, obviously a good performance. It's the only loss on Sean's uh, ledger thus far. But um, is there any pressure, extra pressure on you to stop him? Or is, is you know, obviously you're on his one time, you're known as the big puncher. Uh, but Porter obviously is known to have a good chin and have some good punch resistance. Or is it just about getting the win because this is such a big fight at the moment? It's definitely about getting the win. The thing is, knockouts are a form of winning. The beauty of winning this fight in any form, whether it be TKO or KO fashion, is that he does only have one loss on his record. It was to an undefeated fighter, world-class fighter, but, you know, we didn't see him hurt in that fight. The fight that he got knocked down in, he actually dominated, you know? So it's like, it's a little backwards. Nobody's seen him getting beat and hurt and dominated all in the same fight Mm -hmm. so you know we would like to be able to produce that and if we produce that then on a certain level arguably you know the world is most likely going to start tagging me as the best welterweight out there considering that the 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 magnitude of Kel Brook's um, um, record for the most part the best fighter he's beaten to date was Sean Porter. So it's uh it's interesting. I will be I think I I'll be favored in the debate of Keith Thurman versus Kel Brook with a knockout performance. But you know, with or without we're we're coming to win. Um but we're definitely we're gonna we're gonna try to do the damage. We believe it's there. We believe Sean is there to be hit and uh with eight ounce gloves, I mean oh time and time again um, you know, 22 out of 26 victories ended in KO, and um, we think Sean Porter um, 
can fall just like everybody else. Well, that's the thing, uh, champ. You know, uh, I, anytime I always get into the debate with people about the welterweight division, you know, I, I wake up one morning feeling it's Kel. I make up another morning feeling it's you. Uh, for me, you guys are the top two welterweights in the world. Um, and, you know, if uh, a good performance comes out of this for you on the 25th of June, uh, maybe fans will start talking about you and Kel Brook in the manner of, of uh, you know, the, some of the bigger fights in the sport. You know, this is the kind of opportunity that creates demand, national television, on network television. We want to thank you for your time, champ. Uh, one time, it's Keith, one time Thurman. He's uh, one time because he gets a lot of knockouts, but we'll call him the champ more than one time. The WBA welterweight champion, Keith, one time Thurman. Keith, thanks again, man, and uh, have a good rest of camp, and uh, good luck on the 25th. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. All right, and we're back after the, the Keith Thurman interview. You know, Keith uh, sounded focused. He sounded ready. You know, uh, he, he, he didn't sound too excited, but I, 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 from experience, I know that a few weeks from a fight, you're really, uh, you know, you're downtrodden also from making weight and whatnot, and you're an annoyed, you're in an, an annoyed state of mind because, you know, you, you're, you know, you're just ready to throw punches. You're ready to throw down. So, you know, uh, he just sounded uh, pretty focused to me, and uh, I like some of the things he said, and, uh, you know, we'll see, how, we'll see how the result of that fight comes along. Uh, it, I know it's a fight that everybody's going to be really looking forward to, uh, Network television on CBS you know, here in the U.S. So you don't you, even on free television. Our parent watch, company. You can it's watch a great it, fight yeah, too. You can watch this fight, and it'll be a very physical fight. It'll be a fight that, uh, like I, I, I've been saying uh, in the past few months, between two natural welterweights, neither of these guys ever fought a super lightweight, so they have the physicality to really make this uh, a rough and tumble affair. Aside with, uh, aside from the skills as well. So well, you have, you've been fight. talking about you know we've been talking about this welterweight division, and now it's finally this is like the first time you know well in a while that some of the big names are fighting each other you know hopefully it's the beginning of a bunch of great fights yeah yeah exactly exactly and uh you know it's uh it'll also put a an interesting spin on uh, the kel brook performance from porter and that's why i asked keith about the kel brook fight uh with keith and i said does he have you know and i asked him about why if he felt any pressure to stop sean or or look better than kel in general you know so because i i think It'll also give us a better assessment of the way Kel beat Sean and then the way Keith beats Sean and then put those comparisons because I think, for the most part, I mean, if and if if you're thinking rationally, I think the two best welterweights in the world at the moment are probably Kel Brook and uh, and Keith Thurman. I don't want to hear about who this guy beat or who that guy beat. I'm talking about if you put Kel Brook and Keith Thurman in the ring with any other welterweight in the world besides themselves, they win. That's it. They win. I don't I don't have a doubt in my mind. Any of those guys against the rest of the welterweights, as good as the welterweights are, Brook and Thurman beat them all. You know, and that's and that has nothing to do with with who they fight or who this fight. Okay, sometimes you just got to look at a fighter and actually understand that he knows how to fight. Well, you're, that's your eye test. And, some, and sometimes you got to look at current right now. Yeah. Um, and, also you, and also, you also don't you also don't knock a fighter for people not wanting to fight him, which is total right. bullshit. You know what I'm saying? So you know you can't. It's not his fault. He can't get guys in the ring with him. We're not allowed to put guns to people's heads and, and force them into the ring either. You know. So right. But Paul, you've talked about um, random testing in the past. I'm just curious. Is there is there testing random testing for this fight? I don't know. You know, I, I should have asked Keith. I should have probably asked Keith. Uh, I did not ask Keith. Uh, I just kind of got got sucked into the interview myself and uh, talking about uh, you know the, the tactics and uh, you know just the lead up to the fight and whatnot. And I, I you know it slipped my mind. Uh, but you know, you know, you hope there's random testing. I think, uh, I think at least for the training camp. I mean, you can't. Boxing, unlike UFC, does not have random drug testing all year round. Hopefully, it one day reaches that level, that status, and you'll see a lot of things change if they ever do reach that status. But um, at the moment, they don't. And uh, you know, you at least hope that there's a, 
there's a, in, in, within training camp random drug testing for this fight. And I would assume there is because it's such a major fight. But, you know, of course, you never know. Well, I'm glad and you I brought that up. with Sean Porter didn't have random drug testing. Right. And you brought, you brought that up with Senator McCain, too, which is really cool. Yeah, yeah. I did. I did. Because uh, you were talking about, you know, the, with Senator McCain, we were talking about brain trauma and brain injuries and the things we need to do, the testing we need to do to these people, uh, these fighters uh, with the MRIs and the head and keeping track of the head injuries and whatnot and, you know, just uh, checking on them from year to year, which I think is all fine and dandy, but we can actually start with where the head injuries start, which is the blows to the head and how do we lessen the blows to the head while you eliminate performance-enhancing drugs and you already start to eliminate the strength of the blows to the head, the amount of blows to the head people are taking. And from there, then obviously all the other testing helps out. But you, you, the root, you, you get to the root of the problem first, and then you work from there. If you, I think you got to take a step one before you can get to two, three, and four, you know? Level, so playing, that up. level playing field. Yeah, yes, exactly. But, um, you know, let's get into some fights, man. I mean, it was uh, fights over the weekend. Uh, fight of the year candidate we have uh, with uh, Salido and uh, Francisco Vargas. I'm going to just say, Francisco Vargas is in a war every time. I mean, granted, he's got some some nice uh, 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 dance partners in these fights, but he's in a fight of the year candidate every time, right? I mean, this is what it's starting to look like. I mean, what about Vargas Salido? Was in a fight of the year with, uh, uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> was in a fight of the year with uh, um, uh, Takashi Miura last year. And mm-hmm. then uh, now he's in a fight of the year candidate with uh, Orlando Salido. And, of course, Salido has had a tremendous give-and-take warfare fights himself, you know. Uh, you know, he's another guy that, uh, uh, you know, I think, I think when you match these two styles together, you probably figured it was going to be a, a rough and tumble affair, Physi- very physical, very rough fight. Uh, two Mexican warriors uh, will leave nothing on the line who don't like to take a step back. They fight in that machismo way. And uh, it was very entertaining for the fans to watch and uh, uh, a bit of a bloodbath, right? All right, so you ready for this? That, that fight, uh, my, I was at a graduation party, right? So I TiVo'd it. Mm-hmm. When I got home, mm-hmm. the TiVo stopped at the 10th round. Oh, you got to get extended. I'm like, you got to be fucking kidding me. Well, you got it on demand, right? Yeah, I go, I go watch it again. This but- is why. You know, everybody makes fun of me for not keeping up with technology. Like, I like BlackBerry instead of iPhone. <laughs> I like DVDs instead of Netflix. I, uh, you know what? I don't like to move ahead with the times. I get it. But, you know, if you would have done the old VHS style <laughs> and just fucking record it, you know what you got? You would get a full fight. You never had these problems. But, but Paul, well, you, you know, you know I'm, the, I'm the king of the VHSs. I got tapes. I know. Oh, I know. That's what I'm saying. I was about to I got hundreds that. of we, tapes. We used to have, we used to have the we used to have we used to go out to the club and just record the fight and then come home from the club and just watch the fights. And if we brought chicks home from the club, they'd watch the fights when we got home too. They didn't even have a choice. <laughs> no. With our cocks in their mouth, they were just like, "Oh, oh, 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 hey, oh hey. we're not doing that show anymore." Old, this is Pete. the old days. Worker, <laughs> worker, yeah. yeah, it was fun. He's really <laughs> tough. Just shut up and watch him. It was, you know, nowadays you got this whole technology TiVo and all that shit. All right, so you TiVo it. Now you now you don't watch the last two rounds. Hey, play, I like them apples. You, you mentioned. Your bla- like them apples? I don't like them apples. <laughs> you mentioned so your you black on demand or not? No, not yet. Right. You, uh, Paul, you mentioned your BlackBerry. I just you just remember when I were at Pete's bachelor party, you were trying to take a selfie with that BlackBerry. Yeah, and yeah, you, yeah. Could, you couldn't see yourselves on there. I was cracking there's up. Negative, there's negatives about the BlackBerry. That was the yeah, ori- that's the original what? selfie. It was like a guess, you yeah. know. Yeah. <laughs> Pete, the, Pete actually used to do the original selfie yeah. with cell phone cameras. I look, invented the pictures. selfie. Pete, Pete is up there for the invention of the selfie because he used to take selfies with disposable cameras where you didn't know if the, how the picture even came out until you got the picture developed. And but I was great at it, right? Yeah, you were. I gotta be honest. Thank you. <laughs> they would come out good. <laughs> 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 we finally found something you're good at. Head off in the picture. It was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> 
a lot of practice. Back then, back then you somebody was vain, right? Yeah, no, but that's the thing. Back then you were arrogant, you were cocky, you were vain. Now every fucking human being takes a selfie everywhere. Sticks. Selfie sticks. Exactly. But I'm I, I was the cocky one. Fuck were you cocky or were you ahead of your time? Exactly. Or are you drunk? Genius. <laughs> All of the above. All of the above. <laughs> Vote for Peter. Anyway, so that was uh, that was the uh, Salito and. Uh, it was great uh, action. That's right. Ended in a draw. What do you think? Uh, Orlando Salito might be the only the the guy who fights the most twelve rounders that ended in a draw that I've ever seen. Because usually guys who have draws in their records usually have them in four and six round fights early in their career. Maybe one, ten, or twelve rounder. This guy's in twelve round draws. Like they go on a style. Wasn't he in a twelve round draw with Martinez too? I thought that poor prick was like forty. He's not. <laughs> and that's the thing. I mean, I, I we've been seeing Salito. Have we gotten to the story with Salito? We've gotten to the story, right? With, when we first saw Salito on one of our old podcasts, four yeah. draws he has. Yeah, we, yeah, I think we did. We yeah. got into that story when we first saw Salito. But the thing about Salito. It's like, yo, dude, I mean, a guy who has these kind of wars, usually, like, he gets shot or he's done or he's, like, you know, he starts to slow down. This guy's still in world wars after world wars after world wars, and he's still around. And know? he's calling out other champions. Yeah, <laughs> hey, yeah it's weird. You guys, in uh, March 1st, 1996, how old were you guys? March 1st, 1996. I wasn't, I, March 1st, 1996, I wasn't even boxing, first of all. I was 15. Right. How old? 15? That, that, that was Salido's first fight. Yeah, but he was, like... 12 years old, right? I mean, that's when he turned pro. I remember the first time I saw Salito, he was 11 and 7. 11 yeah. and 7. He was on an undercard to a card that I was on the undercard for as well. And, and he, he and brought he in beat, as the opponent. Yeah. And he upset Rogelio Tor. Rogelio Tor. Rogelio Tor. started this whole ride yeah. that night. Rogelio Tor. November actually, 23rd, 2001. Yeah. Yep, my 21st birthday. That Roseland. was Roseland Ballroom. Yeah. Rogelio Tor was an Olympian. Um, uh, Rogelio medaled, right? Bronze? Yeah, bronze medalist. Bronze yeah, medalist from uh, Holland. Ex-world ex champion. Ex-world champion. Retires for a little bit. Comes back. Wants to come back. They pick Salito as the opponent. Whoops. Nobody knew who he was. That's like yeah, 11 pick. and 7. Nobody knows who he was. Paulie oh. and I, Paulie just, just finished fucking whooping on Cornell Jackson, if I remember. Yeah. And uh, Cornell Jackson? Cornell Jackson. Uh. And... We're in the stands watching this, and we're like, oh, Virgilio's back. You know, he's going to We were fuck. chasing the ring girls. Yeah. <laughs> what else is no? <laughs> um, and before you know it, Virgilio gets dropped and, like, rolls over on his back. And we're, like, look at each other like, what the fuck just happened? Who's this guy? Yeah. Yeah, and that was Orlando and Salido. Was, and, that, and ever since then, Orlando Salido's been in our minds, and he's <laughs> started to slowly make his way into everybody's minds. Yeah. That, was a, had a, that was the worst fight, pick of a fighter since uh, Creed picked Rocky. Out of that yeah, book. Yeah. yeah. Southpaw. I and told our, him, don't like and, Southpaws. And, and our buddy Rogelio ended up retiring because in his mind he's thinking, yeah. man, if I can't beat 11 and then 11 and 7 guy, right. and I really don't have it, I, I should just hang him up. Not knowing, he probably still had something in the tank. Those, yeah, he used to spot with him, bro. He was good. Yeah. He had two more and fights. Then, he had two more. There, there went the comeback that maybe there was a comeback, but you never know now because Rogelio beat him. I mean, uh, uh, Orlando Salido beat him, and that and ended that, that comeback was short-lived. But uh, Rogelio Tor is doing well. I hear from him from time to time. What's up to the champ, Rogelio Tor? Uh, you still Holland. talk to him? Yeah, he hits me up once in a while. You know, he's back and forth in Holland in the U.S. Remember, he used to call me Slick. Yo, yeah, what's yeah. up, Slick? Hey, he, what's up, he Slick? He was Slick. Oh, one yeah. of the best dressed guys out here. Yeah, exactly. Right? He's in a Guy had his own clothing line. Yep, fucking yep. pimped out. Pimped Bring out. him to the studio always next had a time. Blonde with him. Always had. Yeah, he always Bring had a too. bad chick. Yeah. Man. <laughs> yeah, no, he was. He was cool. He was really cool. But, uh, yeah, so the Orlando Salido fight happened, and that was uh, the end of Virgilio's comeback. But uh, it, it kind of cat started catapulting Orlando Salido. I remember then he, he had a controversial decision lost to Alejandro Gonzalez after that in a fight that he probably won, and they gave it to Alejandro Gonzalez, who was another ex-world champion, 
who now his son is fighting, his son is fighting, uh, his son uh, uh, dropped Carl Frampton in Frampton's first American uh, TV debut, if you remember, ever remembers that fight anyway. Wait, he but fought like nine days later, the, according to, I'm looking at box rec, he fought 11-23-2001 against Regilio, and it says 12-2-2001 against Alejandro. That's he fought cool. nine days against Alejandro. Man, I knew he fought Alejandro Gonzalez after that, but I Ten days. My memory's shot, man. I, w- I should remember that. Nine Where days was later. that fight? That's crazy. Alejandro, no, I remember the Alejandro Gonzalez fight was like on Telemundo or something. It was like on a, Illinois. a Spanish language network for, uh, channels. How did he pass a, a commission? Well, he didn't get knocked out. He won. No, he but still, nine days? Later. You just went fucking eight rounds? I mean. Yeah. Hey, man. And then he fought in March. Wait, no, this can't be. These records can't be right because then it says he fought March twenty second, two thousand two, and then he fought March twenty sixth, two thousand two. Bro, it's possible. I'm telling you. <laughs> Were those in Holland? In Mexico, especially in Mexico, it's possible. Well, he fought Lamont Pearson uh, and Lamont three- Pearson. Yeah, yeah. Not Lamont Peterson. Lamont no, Pearson, Pearson who was actually a pretty good amateur who didn't pan out as a pro, but he, he was beat also him. a pretty good fighter. Yep, and I, he was I remember Orlando Fleeto beat him. Yep, because after he beat Rogelio, I started following this guy, and I'm like, this guy's nuts. This guy's beating everybody. Like, well, Lamont Pearson never won a world title. He was, but he was a pretty good amateur, and he was like, you know, he was, he was, you know. Better than what you would expect Salito to, to be by Salito's record. But little by little, Salito started knocking off all these guys. It was crazy. Then four days later, he went to Mexico, beat some guy with a horrible record, Juan Ruiz. He was 4-16-1. Yeah, you know Knocked was him out. Just, dude, the guy was probably just picking up checks left yeah. and right. You know, he was probably trying to make a living for himself. I'm looking at you know? busy guy. Yeah. What a fucking capitalist. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. He fought a lot, man. Yeah, and then, uh, you know, he got himself all the way to the world title, obviously. Let's not forget, he did uh, fail a test, a uh, drug test for uh, performance enhancers at one time in his career. So, Hey, yeah. I don't want to go off on a tangent, but uh, who's the broad that failed the fucking test today? I, fail- I don't know. I haven't uh, been Sharap- Sharapova? Oh, that's a while ago. But Sharapova failed the test. No, again? No, no, but now now that they're saying that she's banned for two years, like that's the, the, the oh. ruling on No it. soup? No soup for her? No. Nope. Yeah, she, you know, she failed for the same test that Bevekin failed. Yeah, right, 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 right. Or right. Meldonum or something like that. And she's, of course, going to fight it, her team says. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Of course, of course. They always do, don't they? Um, Lucien Boutet actually recently failed as well. That's um, a yep. fact. The, uh, the Gale fight. That's a fact. Which is funny because, uh, um, not for the Gale fight, for the, uh, the On the, the same fight. card, yeah. Yeah, on the same card. As a Bobby Jack, uh, as a and you know he, he finished that fight really strong. He did, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he sure did. <laughs> that stuff tends to get you get, get you late in the fight. Yeah, there's a lot of guys who, who who cycled it just right and they don't get caught. You know, so it's, it's just weird. That's, that's why you need year-round testing at this point. It's, it's weird, man. It's, it's getting weirder and weirder. Well, Paulie, not only on Saturday is my birthday. I'm be 46 years old. But Happy also, birthday, man. thanks, man. There's also some big fights that day. I think you're working, aren't you? Yeah, I'm working the uh, Ruslan Provodnikov John Molina fight uh, on Showtime. Now, people are going to say, oh, these guys have seen be- the best days. Yeah, maybe they have seen their best days. But you know what's fun about these guys? They're like rock'em, sock'em robots. They knock, <laughs> they knock each other around. They've, they're both involved in fight of the year style candidate type of fights. I mean, now that HBO put on a great uh, fight of the year candidate uh, led this past week, you know, Showtime's going to try to do it, do one up them this weekend with the Molina Provodnikov fight. Here's the thing about Provodnikov and Molina, though. Provodnikov gets hit with everything and hits you when he's got power. He doesn't go down, though. You don't usually see him go down. Molina gets hit. He hits with a lot of power. He gets some nice knockouts. The problem with Molina is he does go down. So I think you favor Provodnikov in this fight, but it'll be, uh, it'll be good as long as it lasts. Uh, you know what I favor? Six. You know what I favor is the under. The under, huh? Yeah, well, you know, 
Could be. I mean, if, if Molina, I think if, if anybody gets stopped, it's Molina, but I think it'll be great as long as it lasts. The return of Dimitris Bumbu Andre. Yeah, wow. Uh, uh, Bumbu's back. A super stacked, uh, super welterweight division, uh, junior middleweight division, whatever you want to call it, it's the same thing, but uh, Dimitris Andre is another name in it. And Willie Nelson was a pretty good fighter, you know, a tall guy. I believe Willie Nelson trains with Jack Lowe, who was uh, Kelly Pavlik's trainer. And, and just in the Jack Lowe style, even if you're tall, you fight short and you fight to bang around. Willie Nelson, a good puncher. Uh, those, he's kind of kind of reminds me of a Diego Corrales type or a Kelly Pavlik type. Clearly, I mean, he has the same trainer, but um, or yeah, at least he had. I don't know if he still does, but definitely I know he came up with Jack Lowe as well. But uh, so that's an interesting fight. And then uh, uh, we have uh, the opener. I believe it's Latikanen against uh, Marsili. I believe, unless Marsili pulled out. I'm not sure if Marsili pulled out. But then we have an opener for the WBC lightweight title as well that, I, that, I, that is vacant. Well, who vacated the WBC lightweight title? Who went up and wait? Was, it, uh, was that, which, whose title was that that, that, uh, that vacated? Uh, what weight? WBC lightweight title, 135-pound title. It might have been Stu. This this Saturday this Saturday they're fighting for the vacant WBC lightweight. I think fight. it was Stu. Stu got to, right? Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see. But uh, that's it. I mean, so the, there's well, some good boxing on this weekend. Also, the HBO fights. There's uh, who is Lomachenko versus Roman Martinez. Yes. So their little Shit, network. I mean, they, they they're putting on Roman Martinez to defend his title on the eve of the Puerto Rican Day Parade. In a fight, he's probably going to lose. <laughs> right. <laughs> some shit, man. Where was Bob Arum on that one? Yeah, what, uh, where was he? Right. Uh, well, people can say Lomachenko, oh, this is maybe he's going up and wait a little bit of a risk. Usually I do think it's a little bit of a risk, but here's the thing about Lomachenko. He won his second gold medal at 132 pounds in the amateurs. So he right. has fought at his weight class before. Yeah. That's when he turned pro, he dropped weight. Uh, so, you know, uh, he won his first gold medal at, at 125 pounds in the amateurs. That's the weight it was in the amateurs at, at the time. And then he won a second gold medal at 132 pounds. That's the weight it was at the amateurs at the time, 57 kilos and then 60 kilos so um you know i i it's not it's not a new weight class for lomachenko he's done well at this weight uh, in the amateurs so we'll see we'll see how he does it in the pros against roman martinez and uh thoughts and prayers out to uh family of muhammad ali obviously and also Absolutely. in the kimbo also, uh, yeah rest in peace kimbo slice, kimbo guys. You, slice know, uh, you know we, we didn't give him any airtime, but you know uh a guy who made the most out of very little, you know. Yep. The guy who grew up with nothing, had nothing. We just had to fight, literally fight for everything in the street, and then he got noticed. Became uh, an internet phenomenon, and you know, got picked up by, uh, you know, I think it was Elite XC at first, and then yep. uh, eventually ended up in Bellator and whatnot. But, UFC uh, too. Yeah, and UFC yeah. too. Yeah. Uh, yeah so, hey, he was know, on the reality show. He was on... most slice. You know, he he made what he did. He he did what he could with what he had, and he excited a lot of fans in the process. Say what you will about Kimbo Slice. Uh, he had the balls to get in there, uh, kick the shit out of anybody in the street, and then he started fighting professional fighters and, t- and tried to hand at that. And oh, he didn't win every time. He surely uh, he, he did better than just an average street fighter usually does. And an average street fighter usually does organize fights and gets his shit beat out of him. But this guy actually had a mild level of success and, and kept his star popularity. You know what I, I you know what fights. I remember hearing about him too is people were like. You know, now he started making some good money. You know, he, he was, and rightfully so. He was a big name, a big attraction. People were curious. And for people who don't know, on YouTube, he's, he's street he's a, fights yeah. were like viewed by millions and millions right. and millions of people. And that's what got him noticed. And, you know, when he started to get paid to, to fight, you know, legally and, and whatever, and he, they were like, oh, you know, you don't walk around. You never saw him with really much. He's like, I don't, I don't buy jewelry, man. I got kids, you know. Like, yeah. he's Six, just a good guy, you know. Living, you know? Yeah, I, yeah. I don't knock that. I yeah, don't knock that. you know, the thing about, the thing I said about, you know, usually people in the street can't hang with professional fighters, and that's because in a professional fighting ring or, or cage, the fight lasts longer than thirty seconds. That's why. That's the main reason. 
a, a good street fighter can't hang in a, with a professional fighter because you're forced in a professional fight to fight for fucking half hour at times. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? So like, you got to actually be more than a fighter. You have to be mentally strong and stable and, and, and be able to, to, to perform at that level for the extended period of time. It's not a street fight anymore. So the fact that Kimbo Slice not only was successful in those uh, underground street fights, but then successful in, those, in the professional atmosphere as well, um, and, and, and kind of, uh, you know, had his mild success there, but kind of knew how to acclimate himself. The guy wanted to make a living, man, you know, so he, that's all he did. He was trying to make a living. Rest he, in peace. He was people hungry. Play. And he was a beast, Honestly, too. For, have a heart attack at 42 years old raises the suspicion of steroids, but you don't know. You don't know if he was doing steroids before he was in, 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 uh, in uh, the organized fights. Maybe right. this is from steroid use before he was in, uh, among the organized uh, combat. You know what I'm saying? Where the, there's no rules in the street. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. So, you know, when he, maybe, this is, uh, maybe when he started doing uh, organized combat, he just wasn't on steroids anymore, but he might have already destroyed his body by that point. Who knows? You know, and then this is just all hypothesizing, obviously. But, uh, you know, rest in peace to Kimbo Slice and thoughts and prayers that go out to his family as well. And that's, uh, I think that's going to be our show for this week. Yes, we have sir. A, I just want to touch on Copa America started. I'm about. I'm actually about to watch Brazil versus Haiti, which is probably like the odds are probably like minus ten thousand. Minus, so, minus eight hundred. We're out of time. We're out of time. Minus eight hundred. We're out of time. <laughs> I'm, just of I'm just kidding. I'm just. I'm just. I'm just. I'm just making a note, a note of it. That's all. I'm making a note of it. I'm Copa just, America started some pretty good games kidding. in Mexico. Uh, uh, they beat uh, Uruguay in a really, really fun game uh, the other day. Uh, that was their opener. I think Mexico plays tomorrow. The U.S. won last night after losing the opener to Colombia. Colombia won two games in a row, so they're probably going to advance. The European Cup starts on Friday. Italy plays Monday. I've, I don't think I've ever seen a worse Italy team on paper in my life. Things just go oh. from bad to worse with Italy. Why don't they call Giuseppe Rossi? Why do you feel the need to bring Immobile, who, who walks around like he, who runs around the field like he's carrying me on his back instead of just flying through the field, uh, he, he puts on the blue jersey, and he forgets how to run, he forgets how to move, do anything, and there you had to naturalize him. Why do, since when does Italy start naturalizing non-Italians? Since when do we do that? We have Giuseppe Rossi. You better make El Shirawi play. You better start him, because he's, he's probably our most lethal forward on that roster. Um, and we're on the door for the first time in my life on our opening game of a tournament. I've never seen that before. I've never seen Italy open a tournament in a game and be the Belgium other is one of the most favored teams. I understand Belgium. I don't Belgium even get always, why. Good, and Belgium was a pretty good team even when I was young. When I was young, Belgium had a team. As a matter of fact, the 86 World Cup, they made the semis and they lost to Maradona's Argentina. But even uh, afterwards, you know, Belgium always had a pretty good team. And then they went through a lull, you know, where they had nothing. And now they've come back with this star-studded young team. Uh, they have the, the kid with the curly team. hair, right? Yeah, yeah they have a uh, oh, man. I can't think of his name. They played for Man United. Uh, he looks uh, like Fellaini. 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 Yeah, yeah. Fellaini. They have a couple. They have some good players on that team. But regardless, Italy. Italy's the underdog in the opening game against Belgium. So we'll see what happens at that game. Maybe with less pressure on us, but we'll play better. I, I, don't, I don't even know what to make of it anymore. I think Antonio Conte is still thinking about the Chelsea job rather than thinking about the, the Italy job. You know, he's, he's going to coach Chelsea after the European Cup is over. The next season, he's leaving Italy. So we're going to need a new coach after hopefully not getting thrashed through the European Cup. The Euro Cup is a tough group we have, too. I mean, we have Belgium in our group. We have Sweden, so we've got to deal with the Ibrahimovic. And we have Northern Ireland, who's... Probably not great on paper, but you know this is an excited team because they haven't been in a major tournament in a long time. You know, so so it's uh, interesting. Uh, it'll be interesting. It's but in France, right? Huh? It's in France, right? The Euro Cup. France. It's yeah. In France, the tournament starts on Friday. Good luck to the UK, uh, to all the UK countries, uh, especially England. You know, I, uh, and Ireland, of course. Oh, uh, and everybody up in that atmosphere. I think Wales is obviously up there as well. No, I'm not going to wish off the Northern Ireland because you're in Italy's group. 
But uh, you know, I always I always do root for England as well uh, at, behind Italy because uh, the fans are so great to me, and uh, you know I, they, they always have a place in my heart as well. So besides rooting for Italy, uh, I root for England. It's the Lions, as long mate. As Italy and England are not playing each other, which it seems like they constantly play each other. They played each other in the last World Cup. They played each other in the last European Cup. Hopefully. Uh, they don't have to play each other in this tournament, uh, so I can uh, root for both. Squads yeah, watch, watch out they, for Israel this year. Their way through the tournament. I don't think Israel qualified. What? Know. I'm not sure. Well, you never know because the European Cup is 2014. Racists. Honestly, uh, they they made it way too big. But I don't I don't really like a 2014 European Cup, but we'll we'll see we'll see what happens. Hey, Enjoy today yourself. today is well. June 8th. Yeah, today yeah. is Gambling Gaby's birthday. Gambling Gaby's birthday. Shout out. 34 Gabe years Gambardella. old. Gaby and I. Gambling Gaby, aka. Gaby uh, and I are dogs, 20 uh, days apart. <laughs> 20 days apart we are. Gaby, you know, he actually hit me up Saturday night. I feel bad. He actually did hit me up Saturday. He needed a winner. Yeah, he of course. He needed a winner. And I, and I wish I would have told him about the UFC because the UFC has some nice underdogs. They had Dan yeah. winning. They had Michael Bisping. Shout out to Michael Bisping. Uh, Steve that was UK. crazy. A uh, big win for Michael Bisping, uh, becoming the UFC champion there. It was some nice bets on Saturday, man. If you're going underdogs in the UFC, man. He hit for it's like sad, 5K. I was oh did he hit? He hit for something oh, else. He had a parlay. Thank goodness. Thank goodness yeah, I he also lost ten that day. I told him, bro. I don't know what to tell you, Gabe. Because for him to hit me up, because usually he hits you up, Pete. For him to hit me up, he probably was in a desperation mode. Like, I was at a party. I didn't. I wasn't answering. Yeah. So enjoy and, Miami, uh, sir. Luckily, luckily he hit. A, he hit. Uh, what did he hit? Uh, he hit both of those. He hit, he hit Henderson and no, I, I, no. I think he had a he had a parlay with some shit. Oh, I, oh, he had the draw with Salido. You know him. He, <laughs> He loves oh, betting the draw. Great. What's the odds on that? That is great. God only knows. Oh, man. Good for him. Yeah, gambling game. Nice. Good for him. All right, good stuff. That, that'll dig you right out of the gutter. That'll dig you right exactly. out of the gutter. When, That's when a way. Need, when you need a winner and you hit the draw in a boxing match, man, that, those odds will get you right out of the gutter quick. Yeah. That's a way to end the show. Gambling yeah. Gaby on his birthday. Happy birthday, Gaby. If the Good Cubs job. won, I would have won five grand. That's what he told me. Get out of here. Happy yeah. birthday, Gaby. And uh, we love today's you. June 8th, actually, in two days, makes the 10-year anniversary that I fought Miguel Cotto. Time flies. Right. June 10th, 2006. Rematch. Uh, please. No, I don't want to get like that hard again, but that guy is <laughs> way too hard. But, uh, June 10, 2006, uh, for Miguel Cotto. Friday makes a decade. A de- can you believe it's been a decade? Yeah, you're getting old, remember, dude. Remember sitting in the Infinia? Time's flying. Ten years past. Dude, I'm going to be 46 remember, Saturday. What do you think? I, I know time's flying. You remember, old. S- remember sitting in the Infinia waiting to cross the street to go to the garden for the fight? And, and oh, you were wait. watching and the way and everything else. You were watching the World Cup start. Yeah, the World Cup had started. I was watching the World Cup games as I was getting ready. Yeah. yeah See, if you weren't distracted, you might have won the fight. Yeah, if you uh, weren't so distracted, you might have uh, won. No, nah, I was. I was. I wasn't distracted. I was focused. <laughs> I was just trying to watch the World Cup. Well, World great. Cup, which Italy won, by the way. Italy won. It was a great fight. I remember watching. I watched that World Cup. It was a great fight too, man. I watched it recently on YouTube. Oh, nice. nice. Yeah, you're the man. I'd rather not watch that one. Why? You fought your ass off. Rough night. That was a rough one, though. That was a rough night. It didn't look too pretty. You know what fight I don't watch ever? Is Ricky Hatton fight because I feel yeah. like. It's- me, but it's not me. Like I feel like I'm watching somebody else fight that fight. It's totally it's an imposter. Man, man, you talk about making some mistakes in your career. Anyway, let's 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 leave the show at this point. Uh, we'll we'll let you go. Uh, we'll come back with episode 58 next week, and next week I'll be in the studio in New York. Remember, I don't, don't I won't count. Be actually, no, no, I won't. No, you won't. I'll be in Miami. I'll be in the week in New York the week after. All hey, right. I shook up the world. Don't count the episodes. Make the I episodes shook up count. The world. No, we here. We count the episodes and we make. I'm it a bad Ali man. Was about our, our podcast when he made that quote. Come on, guys. Come on. <laughs> I shook up the world. Especially to Muhammad Ali. I, yes. Uh, the greatest of all time. We'll see you guys next. I'm week. pretty. I'm so pretty. <laughs> <laughs>